Hello! And welcome to the London Day Game Podcast. The number one day game podcast in the world. The podcast where last week we gave you so much value that we thought that this week we would give you even more. So we've come up with a 20 golden nuggets of day game wisdom share box of which we will divulge 10 of them this week and 10 of them next week. I'm your host, Thomas Crown, and I'm here with uh, Wolf. And no one else. There's no one else here. I mean, there are other people here, but they're not co-hosts. And we're going to go through the 10 nuggets that I wrote down this week. So it's a nice listicle. Everyone likes a listicle, don't they? Uh, some people do, yeah. How much do you like listicles? I'm not a big fan of lists, actually. Tom. Well, this is a list, so deal with it. All right, shall I get started? Uh, let's go for it. Right then. So these are my nuggets. So this is me with first mover advantage, and I've come up with the first ten nuggets. Oh, back at university, we used to call them Danks. Did you have a name for nuggets? Um, I don't think so. We did. Um, we did go to McDonald's a lot, as I'm sure everyone at a British uni did, but. I think we just called them nuggets, yeah. So what we would do is, someone would say like, oh, we're going to Macadese, what do you want? And I'd be like, give me 20 danks. And then what would they come back with? Probably 20 nuggets. They would. Yeah. So they knew what danks were. So we got 20 danks of day game dankness. And uh, we're going to start with number one. But first we should find out what are you drinking, Mr. Wolf? I am drinking a Level Head, which is one of the Green King beers that mm. in London. How does it taste? It's all right, you know. Let's have a sip. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, I've got uh, Brooklyn Pilsner. It's my new favourite. Should we have a Should we have a sip of this one as well? Yeah, let's do it. All right, hold on. We should do a little thing for the uh, for the audio. Yeah, right. We we should. Right. Ooh. Then they feel like they're included. So that's what we were talking about earlier, is that uh, sitting at home, you said? Yeah, yeah. that's the thing, is um, you're sitting at home, we're at the pub, and uh, as one of our numerous admirers said, this is what good vibe sounds like. Apart from this week, I've made a promise to myself not to speak as quickly. I'm going to speak slowly. Right, shall we begin with the danks? Let's do it. Yeah. All right, what's number one? Uh, well, shall we do alternating what one person reads out the other person does the preamble and then we get into it all right so uh, you can you can read out the first one so these are this is the first one that tom came up with and it's going on trips will both positively and negatively impact your home day game yes so what i meant by that was that when you go on a trip you're normally going to be talking to hotter girls who come from a society where the men are more dominant. So when you go home to your Western country where the men are normally like pussies, then you're going to stand out to everyone else. That's a good thing. Now, the bad thing is that you can be too dominant for the men at home. I, I really feel this. I, and I know everyone's like, oh, dominance, you know, it's, it's the number one thing you ought to have. But when you're at home, honestly, like if you've got these kind of, a lot of Western girls are a little bit scared by it, a bit intimidated, and you might actually turn a few of them off. What do you think about that? 
Um, I can see the logic. I mean, I think for me it's more the... I guess I've done quite a few trips now, and I think the first ones I came back from, I was... I don't think it was so much that I was turning girls off with too much dominance. I think it was more that I had this... I struggled with the fact that I was getting worse reactions from less attractive girls. This is this was going to be my point too, but you got to it. Yeah, and I think what I felt different this time. I mean, we came both came back from Belgrade about two weeks ago or something, and I think right now I just I can't be bothered. I just I walk around London and I just. I have no interest in opening sets, and I think that's the negative of going abroad. Um, I guess it, you could say it's that you, your standards change, and then you you don't want to do home day game. I was going to say it's a bit like you. Your standards change in the way that you would still find those girls at home attractive, but the amount of work you're willing to put in to get that girl is less, and she doesn't like the fact that. Well, she can just basically every girl can tell how much your work you're willing to put in to get her. And of course, if she feels like, ah, oh, this guy wants to make it so easy for himself, it implies that she's easy and she doesn't like that. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, people always say London has bad quality and it's a complete myth. There's, there's so many hot girls in London. The issue is just whether they're interested in you and the reality is that if I go to Poland, if I go to Serbia, if I go to a lot of other countries, you know, for whatever reason, the ones who are interested in me are are more attractive. And I, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, like, they're more attractive. They have better personalities. They're actually they're normally like easier to get because all because in these other countries they have more masculine feminine polarity. And for guys like us. It's easier for us to be masculine guys. And so we only have to, quote, be ourselves more so there to get the girls we like. So one thing we were talking about today was how feasible it would be to do an only on holiday approach method. What do you think about that? Well, it depends on your circumstance because there's two factors to it. The first one is how much day game abroad can you do? And that's going to be different depending on your job situation, how much you can travel, etc., etc. And the second one is going to be how, like, what to you is a good year. Like, you could go away on holiday for four weeks, say 20 days of annual leave, and you could not day game for the rest of the year. But, you know, you may or may not be happy with that in terms of results. So I think it's... It depends on your lifestyle. I mean, there's guys out there who they spend four months a year traveling. There's guys out there who have the typical 25 days annual holiday a year and they can do a few a few jaunts a year. And it is also important to note that like, it is a bit of a weasel because you can get laid in London. It's like if you're a beginner, it's a weasel. If you're more advanced, it comes down to the question of personal taste personal taste and whether you can be bothered I mean how many lays do you want a year that's uh, just on terms of that how many lays do you want a year I think one thing that guys don't often do is put it in perspective of how many stories one day game lay right is the kind of story that most guys only have one of in their entire life 
And if you're the guy who's going out and getting man, even just three of these a year, you're getting three stories a year, which most guys only have one of in their life. And that's amazing. That's amazing. So, you know, it comes back to like, you know, you can look at the guys online who are getting, you know, dozens of lays a year, but that is the outlier. And this whole thing is exponentially distributed. So some perspective, it's, it's useful. Yeah, I mean, the reality is if you're getting five day game lays a year, you are in the top like 1% of day gamers. Five? Did you say five? Or five, yeah. The top 1% of day gamers. Um, is that 1% of guys who ever tried day game ever or 1% of active day gamers? Because I think I kind of agree with you in terms of... 1% of active. Really? Most guys in London do not get laid. Interesting. I mean, maybe there's a thing where we don't know them as well. Yeah, but like we... If I think of the day gamers I know in London, how many of them get more than five lays a year? And like, I, I probably know... 20 day gamers in London how many of them get I mean I could work out I'm not going to right now but like five of them 25% of them get more than five lays a year okay I think that was a good discussion let's move on to point two because we don't want to turn this into a uh, you know one hour podcast oh and I'm reading point two aren't I okay so dank number two is always know where the best toilets are yeah, I think this kind of comes under the um, the wider topic of the more day game you do, the more knowledge you get of the city. So I think if I think of my knowledge of London... but on, Wolf, can you please make this more toilet specific? Yeah, I'm getting to that. But I think um, like if I think of my knowledge of central London, it's, it's obviously very good. And I think toilets are a key part of that in that obviously everyone needs a toilet. And some, Everybody poops. And sometimes you need a shit. And there are, let's be honest, there are only a few good places to shit in central London. Only a few? I think there are a lot. It depends on your definition of good. Um, so maybe let's give you, for the London-based audience, a few really good places. Ah, okay. You give, you give three, then I'll give three. Okay, so I'll give three. So number one is... In Liberty Department Store, don't go to the toilets that are downstairs in the menswear. There's some on like the fourth floor or something. They've got separate cubicles. They're often quite quiet. They're really good. So that's number one. Number two is my favourite toilet in London, which is the Hoxton Hotel in Hoburn. Really nice toilets. Very clean, very modern, very like quite quiet, etc. And my third one, um, I would say Seven Dials Food Market. And the reason I say that is there is a disabled toilet that very few people know about. You have to walk beyond the men's and the females and hidden round the back, there's a, a single cubicle. And I've gone there pre about four dates and it's great, yeah. Very nice, all right. Off the top of my head, Weatherspoons on Kingsway. That's a good one. Pret um, on the end of the Strand. 
there's a there is another one in, in Seven Dolls. It's on Monmouth Street. I can't remember which hotel. It, I think it's like the Covent Garden Hotel or something. And you just walk inside and you kind of veer off to the right and go down some stairs. Uh, five guys. Uh, I've got more than three. Five guys in you know at that intersection where Covent Garden comes towards Leicester Square. And off here's another Hippodrome is good. Waterstones on Tottenham Court Road is a good one, but you have to get the code. So go in and, and pretend that you're a customer and get the code for once, and then you know it for the future. And uh, the Radisson Blue, I think, which is at near Warren Street. And if you really need a piss, here's one. There's a urinal just next to Soho Square. No, not Soho Square. The, the one where it's kind of grassy. Uh, I think it might be Soho Square. Yeah, Soho Square, uh, it might be. The other thing you could maybe consider, so there's two stations that I know of in central London that have toilets in the station, and that's Green Park and Piccadilly Circus. The only in Piccadilly Circus? Yeah, yeah, the only issue with Piccadilly Circus is they often have the barriers down, so you have to kind of vault over the barrier. Or, or Piccadilly Circus, go to Whole Foods. You could, but the issue with Whole Foods is you often have to queue. So Whole Foods is one of those like false gold toilets, whatever the phrase is. Fool's gold. Fool's gold, that's it. Where you think they'd be good, but you often have to wait, so. True. All right, let's move on. It's like Selfridges. You, Selfridges you think will be good, it's terrible. Because you have to walk like 10 minutes before you even actually get to the toilet itself. Well, you can do sets on the way, but you are right. Do you know what, let's move on to point number three, because we're already 13 minutes in and, um, you know, we're only two out of ten. I don't want to speed that long. So, the third one, I'm not 100% sure I agree with it, so I'll explain why, but Tom wrote this. So, day game is unhealthy time, coffee, sweets, alcohol. Okay, so what I mean by this is that when you want to look after your vibe, your vibe is one of the most important, maybe the most important thing to look after during those sessions. And you don't want to be thinking to yourself like, oh, I've got to make sure I hit my calorie goals from today. Right. You just want to be like, like, if I want it, I have it. So when I come out for a solo session, I might have, because I got the Pret subscription. So I might have a coffee from Pret every like 30, 40 minutes. Then after I've had a couple of coffees, then I go, all right, time for some sugar. So then I move on to like a hot chocolate or an ice chocolate or a chocolate bar or an ice lolly or something and eventually I get a beer or something like that and I just keep on going and for every one of these things you have you can maybe do one or two extra sets and ideally when you can hit those moments of peak vibe when you are just in that vortex where you're like just kind of hyped up on sugar alcohol and caffeine and you're doing lots of sets, you've got a good vibe, you get lots of numbers. And once you go beyond that lower intermediate stage, like I don't hit state very often. It's not state, it's more like approach intensity. So what I'm saying is like my aim is to come out and if it's possible to get myself into that kind of whipped up frenzy state. Yeah, I see the point. Um, I mean, for me, I guess it depends also on your fitness goals and how how much you care about calories. Just something about that then is that, look, here's the formula. You burn 100 calories for every mile you walk if you weigh 155 pounds. So that's, what let's say it's 70 kilos. Let's say that. So, you know, you can scale up and down. Like for me, I weigh about 215 pounds, so I burn about 140 calories per mile. 
I'm probably burning, I, even if you walk slow, like two miles an hour, right? That's 280 calories per hour. That's way more than a little ice lolly. So that's why I think like it's not even unhealthy, even if you count calories. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I think it's, for me, I guess I burn calories very quickly. So it's, um, I don't really worry about like coffees and stuff, but. Well, black coffee has no calories, but. Like if you have an iced black coffee, it's none. But I get the, the general logic of basically when you're out, if you can have something that makes you do more approaches. So like a sugary snack. So get a, a cookie or a donut or something or. A, a sweet drink like a coke or a, a sprite or something if that is what makes you do more approaches then i think that's only a benefit yeah mm, true all right let's move on to the next one let's try to keep these going quick now number four. Oh, it's my go isn't it you don't you read the last one no you read the last one out now you have i read it you do the answer okay all right so point number four you don't need to give moment to moment updates on twitter slash group chats yeah, I mean, there's a few things to say about this. Uh, the first one is a lot of good day gamers don't have a Twitter account. Uh, it's only. But how many? Actually, I, I kind of disagree with this. How many? How I reckon what percentage? Sorry, I'll ask you this. What percentage of good day gamers don't have a Twitter account? I mean, obviously, it comes down to what you say about good. But if you think about the guys in London, there's a lot that don't have a Twitter account, and maybe they're, they're not, not good, though, are they? Well, maybe not. But I mean, there are there are day games out there who are good, who maybe they've deleted their Twitter account or they don't have one. But anyway, to the assuming you do have one, the reason you shouldn't give moment-to-moment updates. Firstly, no one really cares, let's be honest. Uh, there's nothing more annoying than, like, in a group chat or a Twitter yeah. and, like, intricate updates on someone's session. The second one is it takes you out of the moment because ah, you're... That's, actually, that's a very good technical point, though. It's a bit like, I mean, if you're texting anyone, if you've got mates, if you've got wings, a girl, whatever, if you're always on your phone, firstly, you're not going to see sets going past you. Secondly, it takes you out of the moment, you're less present. I think yeah. my point for this as well is that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, everyone, everyone wishes well for their friends, I that but later. you cannot help but be jealous. I cannot, like, I have never seen a plus one where I thought, like, where I was like, I don't want a plus one right now. I always want them. I want everyone's plus ones. The, the only counter to that is if you're on a solo jaunt and giving updates to Twitter or to your wings is what makes you feel less isolated and what gets you into set, and then that's fine. That's, that's different. Um, the other... Is that, is that different, though? Like, let's say you were on a trip yeah. and you're... Excuse me, you were on your own and I'm in London and you're in somewhere I'd love to be and I keep on getting these updates and then I see the plus one. I st like, okay, I'm still gonna say congratulations, well done, good for you and everything. But there is still part of me that says, I want it for myself. So the thing of like giving a moment, I say like, let's reduce it to the minimum. I guess it depends on whether you're thinking about advantages for the guy posting them or the impact on everyone else. Because for example, like if you have a wing who's on their own in a foreign country, and you know that them giving you updates yeah. is helping them. Also, maybe it depends on what level they're at. Because, yeah. like, if there was, if I had a student or something, I'd be like, "Oh, good for you." Blah, blah, blah. But if it was a a guy who I'm in in implicit competition with, it's different. And it also does depend on like like how good like your friendship with the guy, etc. Because like, 
I have wings for whom, like, if they're sending me messages from a foreign country and I know that them sending me that message is what's letting them do the sets, like, yeah, of course there's a, like, if they get a plus one, there's a momentary sort of, oh, I wish I had one, whatever, you bastard, you know, but there's also, like, you are also genuinely pleased for them, so. I think what we're both saying is we're both jealous cunts. You know, we've had too much nuggets on this podcast so far. We need to have some more absolute idiocy. That, that's what we have uh, the special guests for, right? No, but we don't have special guests today. It's just you and I. Of course. Do you like that? You and you and no wait. It's just you and me, or you and I. You and I. You and I would be more grammatical. No, but if I said no, because what you do is you take away. If you take away the other person and just say it's just I, that wouldn't make sense. If I said it's just me, that would make sense. I was never good at English at school, so I... Did, well, you know, what did you get in English GCSE? I got an A, obviously, but... Like, yeah, but literature or language? Yeah, well, let's go on to the next nugget. I'll tell Tom Did you get a first or a 2-1? I'll, I'll tell Tom why I can't answer that question later. It must be a 2-2. Let's, let's go on what to a loser. the next nugget. Yeah. All right, on to the next one. Um, who's reading? I think you're reading it this reading. time. All right, we're on number five. Num numero five. 99% of guys have no idea how to rate a girl. Oh, I mean, it's absolutely true, right? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. The reason is because everyone rates girls based on their anchoring of expectation, right? So to them, they just go like this. If they are, there's, there's someone sitting here and he's like pointing at himself and it's not him. So the point is this, like whenever guys rate, like unless they're actually like experienced, and even a lot of experienced guys are shit at rating anyway. What they'll say is a seven is the girl they think they should get, an eight is above that, and a six is below. And a nine is a girl who is above what their anchored expectation is. But I personally rate, I personally, I'm an angel, a saint. I'm a god of rating, no, I'm kidding. Is that I always think about it, you've got to think about it globally, because let's say you're from, what's a shit city? Anywhere in America. Okay. You're from Tallahassee. I don't know which state that's in. Maybe there's a listener who could comment somewhere and tell us where that is. You're from Tallahassee, right? So for you, uh, a 10 out of 10 might be like a Russian 6. Maybe I'm being unfair. A Russian 7. Okay. So there's... What? Five, probably. Maybe a five, but that's it, exactly. It's like, if you rate that local girl a 10 out of 10, then... What is a like, supermodel? Is she like a 50 out of 10 or something? Yeah, it's what... I think the reality is that within a country you have a distinct marketplace and then within the world you have a different one. And by you know, quite naturally, there's nothing wrong with it. Guys you haven't travelled don't understand... Oh, even guys who have travelled have shit ratings. It depends on the guy, yeah, but if you particularly if you haven't travelled. So, for example, Americans, they go to South America, they go to Mexico, Colombia, whatever, and they... I think it's pronounced Mexico. But they rate the girls as amazing. And I'm not... I mean, I can't comment. I've never been to Mexico. I've never been to Colombia. But I have a suspicion that a lot of the guys saying that don't really know global quality. And the reality is if you travel to the places that are commonly regarded as the best quality, so places like Russia, Ukraine, 
Ukraine, Serbia, if you're into different ethnicities, there's other countries. So I've heard that people say there's some countries in Africa that have incredible quality. What, what is the highest quality country in Africa you've heard about? So I know that um, Naughty Nomad, he rates, I can't remember which country, it's one of the sort of... I think it's something like Kenya or Ethiopia. I'll get it wrong. I can't remember. I know which one it is. Which one is it? Chad. <laughs> it's definitely he's not. Chad. He's laughing, but he did a little <sighs> kind of laugh. Definitely not Chad. But I mean, obviously, I think there is. No, sorry, that's where the hottest guys are. There is such a thing as global beauty. And I think there's two things. There's guys that don't know global beauty, which if you haven't traveled is kind of fair enough because why would you know what girls in Ukraine look like if you've only ever been to the US and Mexico? The second thing is, of course, guys who have just a very loose rating, so they'll call girls eights or nines. And I think within our kind of London crowd, there's a quite heavily policed rating system. Which I think that you, you think I totally disagree with that. Well, when I say our crowd, I mean the people specifically we hang out with. If you're talking about people in London generally, no, but no, no. But that's what I'm saying. 99% of people do not know how to rate a girl, because, and I think it's because I'm looking at it. Sorry, it sounds conceited, but I'm looking at it globally, and they're looking at it locally. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I think, like, within our... I, I guess it depends who you're talking about, but I'm thinking of, like, conversations with specific wings in London where I feel like we are rating globally. Because um, the reality is, if you live in London, you'll barely ever see a girl that's a global eight. You'll see some, but it's just very rare. Do you know Let's move on. You're on 25 minutes, so maybe... We're on... You just did point point five, didn't we? So we do, like, quick fire. Yeah, let's go quick. Because I was going to say we could stop it at five, but... It's Stopping at a six is a bit of a strange one. We could stop at five and just talk nonsense for five minutes. I would say we should do that. We could do, yeah. But then again, can you buy a can you buy a ten can you buy ten nuggets at once? Like a genuine question. Yeah, you can. You buy twenty with a mate, and then it's like. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about sharing. No, no. Like it's like you know when you buy crisps and they're like, oh, it's a share, it's a share bag. Interestingly, in different McDonald's around the world, they do sell nuggets in different size boxes. So I had. A... You know, in France, you can get a, you can buy a beer in McDonald's. I'm sure you can. So I. Had... No, you don't. The reference, you don't get it. They call it a Royale with cheese. You've never seen Pulp Fiction? I have, but I, don't, like, I was like 12, I don't remember. Are you uncultured? What's the word? Luddite. Heathen. Heathen. So I had an unfortunate experience with McDonald's in January. I was in a country I won't name, and I went in and I, I ordered a chicken nugget meal, and somehow they managed to think I was ordering four chicken nugget meals. Oh, that sounds kind of good, actually. I like the sound of that. Well, it was okay, but I had, um, I think, 40 nuggets, four things of chips, etc., etc., and I was on this boat back to where I was staying, which kind of gives the country away, but also doesn't really. And um, yeah, I had 40 nuggets and I was just sitting there. <laughs> nice. Like, smashed out of my mind trying to eat these nuggets. It, yeah. Like, this is not a joke, right? When I was uh, 20 years old, me and my friends, my friends and I were at McDonald's and I had just eaten a Big Mac meal with a cheeseburger from the value saver meal. Yeah. Okay, and uh, I finished it, and I said to them, I was like bragging. I said, I'm, I could eat 
I think I could eat a, a, a hundred and forty. I don't know why I picked hundred and forty. I was like, I could eat a ton of chicken nuggets right now. And they were like, really, you could eat 140 chicken nuggets? And I said, yeah, because in my head, all you had to do was take 140 bites, and that would be it. And uh, they bought it, and I think I had about 15 of them, and I was like, I'm full now, I can't have any more. Yeah, I remember with nuggets, and I can say this, because this isn't giving anything away, you're not going to find me from this, but I remember on a stag do in Oxford, and... Um, there was about eight of us and we all bought 20 chicken nuggets and we broke into one of the Oxford colleges um, and it was actually quite hard we had to like climb over this really high fence etc etc and we were sort of sitting on the grass eating these nuggets and then we see the light of the security guards have to sort of sprint away and we're sort of dropping nuggets as we go and it's... oh that sounds like the worst part of the story do you know what actually i looked up the other day how many calories there are in 20 nuggets and it's 840. i don't know if that's more or less than i thought yeah but uh i no, no i thought it was gonna be more but here's the kicker it's it's not the nuggets that get you it's the sauce like if you have a pot of especially like a, a cream or milk based sauce you could have maybe 200 calories in it I always just go for ketchup because I'm a heathen. Oh god, yeah, we know about you and ketchup. You like when we were in Belgrade, you say to them when you were asking for ke for ketchup, I was like, oh, it's typical English man. Oh, that is actually a good point from the um, from the ether. So. It's a question of do you prefer the nuggets or the chicken selects? I, I, I think uh, one other thing they do is they do they actually do grilled chicken wraps now in McDonald's. But but when I try to go to McDonald's at like past midnight and get grilled chicken wraps, it takes forever to get the order. For the American listeners, I don't know if they still do them, but last time I was in the US, they did this thing called the, it was like the grilled chicken burger or something. That sounds okay. It was so good. It was like this really, like genuinely quite healthy burger, which is grilled chicken in a bun, and it was so good. Do you know, just taking a tangent, um, for all our American listeners out there, when I started doing day game, before, sorry, pre-day game, I used to think that Americans and English people were more similar than English people and people from, you know, continental Europe. And uh, I've totally changed my mind after this many years of doing day game. I think most Americans are crazy people. So if you're listening to this and you're American, then it's a high chance that you're a crazy person. Yeah, I think with Americans, it's... I mean, I've got a couple of American day gamer mates who are great guys, but I've also met a lot of Americans who I'm like, oh God, you know, it's... They have a very different approach to day game, but then there's also some that do do gen genuine London day game model. Um, I, I think if you're the the big issue I see with American guys is they go from this weird end of one spectrum to another. Like in America, that's they don't have very many like dominant but warm and nice kind of not nice guy but like dominant and warm male role models. So they go from either being simpy submissive guys to like aloof assholes, and it's like you come to Europe and you're like, yeah, you're allowed. To to be dominant and warm at the same time yeah also outside of new york and maybe boston their cities are just awful for day game i mean the american cities i've been to i would not want a day game in most of them. i've never been to america what's it like i mean i love new york it's one of the the best places i've ever been to but i wouldn't want to do day game there if I had today game in the US, I'd probably choose Boston. Uh, Boston's a cool city. It's very, um, obviously there's a lot of universities there, etc. 
you've got Austin, cool city, but it's a bit hot and are the girls that hot? I don't know. But I mean, I don't know it well. I've not traveled much. Interesting point, Mr. Wolf. Well, we have reached 30 minutes of absolute tosh. So join us next week. We're going to be here. We're going to do episode season two, episode four. We're going to continue with the danks. We're going to drop some more nuggets of wisdom. I guess we'll never hear Mr. Wolf's 10 danks, but maybe we'll hear from him in season two, part two, after our summer hiatus. What do you think about that, Mr. Wolf? Don't hold your breath, but you never know. You never know. Maybe, but if you're a spammer, please do hold your breath and die. A bit harsh, but... London Day Game Podcast, over and out.